What's up, everybody? Tuesday, yet again, episode 25. Today, I, Phil Toronto, your host, your faithful, faithful host, am sitting down with a friend of mine who has the longest last name in my phone book, I think. I'm pretty sure he has that award. Tony Fragagianis, proprietor of Brooklyn Hot Dog Company, based here in New York. Aside from being a friend, aside from being one of the sweetest human beings of all time, but also the most terrifying because he's going to talk a little bit about his days in the Atlanta nightclub scene. And if you can ever grab a beer with him and get some real stories, I highly suggest you do it. Hilarious, but also there's some stuff that happens down there at a nightclub. What do you know? Aside from being a friend, aside from being one of my favorite Greek people of all time, aside from the delicious product that he has created that I actually fully enjoy, which is also a prerequisite for coming onto the show, I have to actually like what you build, what do you know? I've watched Tony shift gears in his business and in the short time we've known each other it's it's only been maybe what two years and i'm asking like tony's sitting here he's no longer sitting here that was just the interview but he has made this shift uh, just kept a very lean team has just pursued a business that he started out knowing nothing about and very very opaque uh talk about a weird place to start perishable meat product when you've never worked in the industry before is a pretty daunting task and he's doing a phenomenal job with it he embodies just figuring it out tony's not afraid to test things tony's not afraid to get his hands dirty tony is ever evolving which is amazing to watch from the sidelines i guess he has really doubled down on his direct-to-consumer strategy, which I think is super smart, and I think it's also paying off for him. He continues to conquer supply chain issues and, and pretty much anything that can get thrown in his way. I just watch him barrel right through it and continue to build this brand, but he hasn't taken a dollar of investment, and it's been really impressive to watch him run an actual business. Not to knock anybody that's ever taken money, it's a, there's a time and a place, but there are different paths to building your brand and Tony chose to truly bootstrap and to keep a lean team in this industry with a lot of the hurdles that he's encountered it's truly impressive that he's thriving so without further ado I'll let Tony get to the story and I also really appreciate the fact that we were able to keep this episode pretty tight it's it's one of the shortest tartar projects ever and it, i feel like it doesn't miss anything so i'm pumped about that hopefully you like that if you do let me know uh, again before we jump into the episode this intro is almost longer than the podcast sorry uh if you could give me five stars on itunes follow me on spotify throw me on a playlist on spotify that would be amazing tell your friends about the tartar project okay 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 oh and check out the episode description because tony so graciously gave tartar project listeners uh 25 off with the coupon code tartar 25 so i'll remind you at the end of the episode but check the episode description thank you tony here's tony Tartar Project listeners, we have uh, we have a very special guest today. Well, every every guest is special. Every guest is special. This is almost like T-ball where there's all ties and everyone's friendly today. So today is actually a big day for me. This is a really long-winded intro, longer than I normally do. But today I get to find out how to say Tony's last name. Tony, what's your last name? Frago Giannis. I would have been right. Goodness. You got to give it a shot, man. Well, Tony Frago Giannis, founder of Brooklyn Hot Dog, a friend, 
a proprietor of Fine Meats, one of my favorite hot dogs, and my favorite hot dog, actually, um, a purveyor of brand. Uh, I wouldn't say better for you hot dog, because that just seems like it pigeonholes you a little bit too much, but it's a friggin' delicious hot dog, and he's done a great job building his brand, um, servicing both e-commerce and through retail, and that's why I wanted to have him on outside of just being a phenomenal human being. So, Tony, thank you for taking the time. What an intro. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Uh, can you just give the Tartar Project listeners an overview of what Brooklyn Hot Dog is to you? Uh, we are a, I guess you would say, a gourmet hot dog company. Uh, all natural. There's no hormones, no antibiotics, uh, no nitrates added, no fillers. It's just uh, we try to source really good meat, spices, and the recipes that we've that put those together. And you have multiple flavors of hot dogs, which is exciting. We do. We have five different varieties. We have a classic beef, a beef and pork hot dog, a buffalo chicken hot dog, a gyro hot dog, and a pepperoni hot dog. And as you just heard, Tony is a connoisseur of all things <laughs> grease. Uh, gyro is the proper pronunciation. It's not gyro. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're eating our hot dogs, you can call it whatever you want to. What a diplomatic response. (laughs) I love that. That's perfect. So we're going to take a bunch of steps back. Um, Where'd you grow up? I grew up in a little town on the east end of Long Island called Center Mariches. It's about like an hour and a half away from the city. Uh, Small little town. Uh, Grew up there. Went to college in St. John's in Queens. And then took a weird turn and went down south for nine years to Atlanta. Tony was actually a kingmaker in Atlanta. Um, (laughs) I don't know how. We're not going to go into a lot of the stories. We could save that for if you share uh, drinks or gyros with us in the future. (laughs) He's got some real good ones around Atlanta and just in general because you ran one of the top clubs in Atlanta for a while. It was a popular spot in Atlanta. Uh, We were known for having the best Tuesday night party in the city. Uh, It was was a good time. It was a good time for sure. A lot of of crazy stories for sure. And what drew you back to New York? So I always, uh, when I moved down to Atlanta, I moved down for my brother and my nieces. They they were living down there. And uh, the whole plan was to go down there and open up a nightclub. Uh, we owned a restaurant as well, and we did that thing together. And then I was not the biggest fan of Atlanta. We didn't get along that well. Uh, I always missed New York. Uh, it's Atlanta's a great city, but I guess in the industry that I was in, it was very claustrophobic. The city got really small really fast. And uh, I, I always missed New York, so my plan was always to come back here. And uh, just the opportunities just worked their way, worked uh, had me back up here. So we sold everything down there and moved back up to New York. And did you jump right into Brooklyn hot dog when you got up here? Yeah. So I was thinking about this concept from when I was down there and when we were trying to sell the club and I had this crazy idea in my head to start this hot dog company. And, uh, the idea was because hot dogs, when you go to places, they're usually just like your all beef hot dog and has toppings on it. I was like, why doesn't anybody ever do, you know, 
the hot dog being a different variety, like a pepperoni or like a buffalo chicken. And so I started playing around with the ideas. And when I came up here, I kind of just dove all in on it and started that. Amazing. And this is partially just my ignorance. And at the same time, I don't want to give the playbook away for how to create a gourmet hot dog brand. But where, where did you even begin? Because that seems like such a, such a scary endeavor to undertake as a side project. Cause it's perishable, uh, consumable. Yeah. Scary as hell. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really interesting. Cause, uh, I knew, I knew a lot about the service industry and the hospitality industry, food and beverage. Didn't know the other side of it. Uh, didn't know the manufacturing and the distribution side. So kind of just jumped in. Um, when I moved up here, I, I partnered up with my nephew and with Justin, who you know, um, and we were literally trying to make these in the basement of my other nephew's bar, <laughs> like testing out recipes, not for production, but like, that's a good caveat. Good caveat. Yeah, caveat. definitely. Um, so we trying to put this all together and, uh, a lot of broken food processors and hand grinders and just doing this all by hand just to try it out. And, uh, you know, when we came up with the final, uh, recipes, we realized you can't, you can't do this in house. It's just too much. So we went to look for processors and then, um, we found like a family owned company that could replicate our recipes and worked with us with small batches and started going from there and, and, you know, literally going door to door and trying to sell them into places. How was that going door to door? It was from, from the industry that I was in, it was very humbling, <laughs> very humbling, but it's, it's, it's great, man. You're going back to grassroots and that's really how this company has, has grown. You know, the way it's grown is, is, is all organic and grassroots. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't come in with like big budget and a ton of money or anything like that. And, you know, the company's had its ups and downs and there's been a lot of changes. Uh, my nephew, we didn't see the future of the company in the same direction. So he went on, he opened up a successful bagel spot in Long Island. That's a really great bakery. And, um, you know, I, I continued on and Justin's a, plays a big role in it with all the branding and whatnot. So, but a, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what made you comfortable with going out and going door to door? Like, when did you feel like you actually nailed the recipe? Was there any certain thing or had you just been iterating for so long? You're like, we got to get this out there and then we'll figure out the rest if it's not fully exactly my vision. No, I definitely did not put anything out there if I didn't feel it was great. So when we nailed the recipes, then we found the right processor to make the product. Then we went door to door. And, um, I had some friends that, uh, that had a butcher shop or a market. So we started with those, with those friends first. And then, uh, it kind of just grew from there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I, I, I'm not anybody that would put out something that I wasn't happy with. So it was never like, oh, it's a work in progress, even though the whole business is always a work in progress. Of course, yeah. <laughs> The product, you know, we try our best to make sure it's perfect every time. And it is delicious. Thank you. <laughs> when did you 
I forget because I'm always intimidated to try cooking it this way. The hydro toast. The hydro toast. So my brother, uh, my brother actually, when we were back in Atlanta, he would make these hot dogs called KO dogs. And uh, they were just like regular hot dogs (laughs) that we would buy. And uh, we would be after nights of drinking, we'd get back to the house and start making these. And uh, he would, he started with the hydro toast and he showed me how to hydro toast back then. Um, Really intricate process. Everyone listening, you got to get a pan and then you got to put water in it. And then you got to put the hot dogs in there. <laughs> it, but it's intimidating because I just like, what's the water doing? I don't really know. Yeah, and you got to steam them first. And then you, uh, once the water evaporates, you give them a little toast. And that's where the hydro toast comes in. But he used to make them. And I remember he used to put two different types of mustard on them and Munster cheese. Yeah. Munster cheese. Munster cheese. Huh. Not Munster cheese over it with uh, Dijon mustard and spicy brown mustard. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. They worked. But they did. Bunch of drinks. <laughs> Tastes kind of great. Secret to a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then once you had the recipe down and everything, packaging, design, did that take a long time to kind of lock in for you? That did. Uh, so Justin is uh, our creative man. He's he's the guy who does all the creative. Anything that you see uh, outside of the boxes, the labels, uh, any kind of uh, point of sale stuff, it's all Justin. And uh, we worked for a while, and I, I believe this was, if not the first, it was one of the first uh, consumer packaged goods he had ever designed. Oh, wow. So um, there was definitely a learning curve on, on all of our parts, uh, you know, where anything needs to be placed, uh, Nutrifax, barcodes, like everything was brand new to us. So... We've we've revised labels like I don't know a million times I think since the beginning minimum yeah yeah you just have to constantly kind of move them around but uh, yeah he he's he headed that and it was it was awesome that was one thing that I definitely wanted it to be perfect was the branding because without a real marketing budget it's the first thing that people can see so they they've never tasted your product before they see it on the shelf and they want to grab it. That makes sense. How did you guys meet originally? So Justin was my nephew's best friend growing up, or is my my nephew's best friend from when they were kids. And that's how we we met. I mean, Justin's been at like every family function since we were kids. So you have uh, an affinity for good family functions, I think. (laughs) And I mean, your own amazing Wilson has invited you to a couple of family functions, former podcast guest. And this is just me putting him on blast for never inviting me to the family functions because I see on Instagram stories, Wilson posting Tony, Tony posting Wilson. This is super on Wilson, even though I Wilson, know we got to change this, man. We got to change this. I know you're going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. He's got, he's got nice things. Like he has a really nice car, really nice apartment, nice family. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason he doesn't want me to meet I might, them. I'm going to have to extend the invite. Sorry, Wilson. Uh, fills my plus one. <laughs> well, this, this worked out. We're done here. That's it. Close up shop. Yeah. That's the only route I wanted to go down. I want to put a Wilson on blast. Sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> when, um, what did it feel like to actually get your first PO? Oh, it's incredible. And it's incredible. Was it, I mean, can we even name who bought it? Or do you remember? Um, 
So the first, like the first order order was actually a friend, uh, from like back home. He had opened up a little butcher shop in Sag Harbor and, uh, he wanted them before they were even finished. Like I had showed him the brand and what I was working on and it was so unique and so new that he, he was like in on it. And then when, uh, when we were done, he like, he bought in right away. And then we had a few other, um, Long Island stores, uh, Justin's chop shop out in West Hampton, uh, which is still around, still a great customer. Uh, Christina's Epicure on Long Island. These are some of the first ones. And then we slowly started moving into the city. Totally. The big boys. Regional expansion. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, well, we launched in, in June of 2012. So going right into the summer. So it was obviously a good time. To great launch, timing. Yeah. yeah. Perfect hot dog season. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. And then did you, did you explore like distributors or, or what have you, or did you keep it door to door for as long as you could? Um, so being completely new and green to this whole industry, I thought getting the distributor was the move. So I was going at like distributors. Like I was like cold calling and pitching distributors nonstop and thinking that that was the way. And I thought that if I, if you get a distributor, you're good. Um, because that will help with the sales. Uh, that's not true actually at all. <laughs> so, uh, they actually don't do sales at all, even though they will say they do. Uh, so we pushed it as much as we could. Then we got, um, kind of a small mid-level distributor and we kind of grew a lot with them. And then they got acquired by a really big distributor. And then that's when, you know, got a little different, got a little different for sure. Um, but we work with like five or six different distributors around the country right now. So that's, uh, you know, you have a few different options, but that's one of the most challenging parts of the business is the distribution. Are you, are you nationwide at this point? Essentially? Um, we're sprinkled in around the country. I wouldn't say we're very dense around the country. So nationwide is a very loose term for that, but we're in like Texas. We're in a couple of places in California. We've been in places like we, we were in a supermarket chain in the Northwest, uh, in, uh, Portland, Seattle area. Uh, but they had some, uh, restructuring issues internally and kind of, we got bumped. We were one of the one of the brands. I think you're still in some key hot dog regions. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the mid Atlantic and Northeast is always strong. So definitely. When, uh, when did you foray into e-commerce? So, uh, it's really funny. So there was this company, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a company that, that had just started as a startup from in the city and they tied celebrity, uh, celebrities with products. And, that was their whole model. It was basically like, um, like gold belly ish. Mm -hmm. If gold belly had a bunch of celebrities pushing the different brands. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so we signed up and, uh, uh, Ted Allen from the food network, yeah. he endorsed our products and he, uh, he said, you know, nice things about it. And it was on the website and they pushed that and they were like, you have to fulfill. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, what's so How hard about that, that? Yeah. yeah well we got bombarded with orders and i was like driving around 
New York City, Long Island, trying to find styrofoam boxes, trying to find ice packs, dry ice, and trying to fulfill all these orders. We got them out. We always get them out. Of course. But uh, it was our intro into (laughs) e-commerce. Um, our website wasn't set up to sell, so it wasn't going through us. Um, when that slowed down, I really started thinking about how we could actually do this because with distribution being so hard to deal with, um, and when I say distribution being hard, I don't say like, you know, getting it from point A to point B, it's dealing with the distributors themselves. It's, they, they just, they're not helpful and I don't understand why, because it's, we're all on a goal to sell more, but, um, because there were so many hurdles with distributors, I wanted to be able to touch the consumer, so the the end consumer. So going direct was a good way, and uh, so we we launched our e-commerce website, I believe, three years ago, three and a half years ago, and it's been great. It's been growing. It's been growing at a good pace. Um, it has its challenges and its biggest challenge is just dealing with the shipping companies, FedEx or UPS or whoever you're going to use, just because that's the biggest hurdle of rates um, of people not buying your product or buying your product. But overall, it's been really good. And and we do a really good job of, you know, when someone buys it, like handwritten notes and little stickers and little, you know, we keep track of who's buying it, who's rebuying it and try to reward people when they're loyal customers. So it's really great. It's really good. I think that's actually super important. And that's kind of a, a head nod to your nine years down in Atlanta and kind of taking that away from the hospitality industry where you almost make your customers feel like regulars in a way that you're they, they don't ever actually have a touch point for you outside of receiving the product. So I think that's super important and very helpful that you do that. It's super important. Um, even when this business was started, one of my main, um, my main concerns was that this, this industry distribution, um, I remember when I was dealing with distributors as a buyer, um, the service always sucked. So like, you know, something didn't make it on the truck and it's just like, oh, well, you know, we'll get it on next time. I'm like, no, I, I need the product. So when we were opening up accounts, um, we made sure that, you know, if you don't have it going into the weekend or if you don't have, I, I need to get in my car and take care of that. That's just the bottom line. You know, it might cost me more to get it to you, but that's how you build, you know, relationships that last forever. So that's, and, and we use the same, the same, um, mantra with the with the online business i think it's all about it's all about consistency and how good you treat your customers totally agree and i can definitely vouch for the fact that you still to this day get in the car because i I forget i was texting you some weekend i was like oh you around or something you were driving some ridiculous place like washington dc or something for delivery and i was i was very floored (laughs) with the amount of dedication yeah i mean if if I, I just don't like leaving people hanging. It's just not, it's just not the way that I do business. So I don't, I don't, if someone's going to take the time and, you know, invest the money into using us as a company, like they should get the hospitality too. Totally agree. It sets you apart. You've mostly kept the team lean. Yeah. It's, it's literally like two to three people. And do you, 
it's a it's a tough question. Like, would you prefer to have more people, or have you kind of figured yeah. out the operation in this capacity? And like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it until you have to really scale up with the next no, iteration of the so, business. So, I would love I would love to have like a large team of people working. Um, you know, one thing is is that it's challenging to like find people that see your vision or will treat your brand. You know. I don't ever expect anybody to treat it like their own because it's not their own, but, you know, kind of have the same, you know, vision. Um, the other thing is, is just the ups and downs of the business. So, you know, some, once some years you're like cruising and it's great and you're about to take on a whole bunch of people and then somebody screws something up and costs you a whole bunch of money and you get scared. So you, you back off a little bit, but, I like to I like to push it as much as I can as lean as possible and then you know when we can't go any further start bringing people on totally what what has you excited in the next 12 months whether business or not or personal or whatever so we are we are working on a on a repackage so we're we're changing the labels up a little bit and so the the face of the of the product's going to look a little different and we're really excited about that cuz it's been a few years and we need something fresh uh we're working on a jalapeno relish which i've had in my head as a recipe for a while so this year we're going to launch it we're still discussing on how we're going to launch it but i think it's going to go online first and then kind of see where it goes from there um and just like just growing just literally like we've we've had our ups we've had our downs and Sometimes the downs are good because it gives you a chance to regroup and then push forward again. Is there, if I were to ask you, what's one thing you would have done differently in the first three years? Is there something that jumps to mind or did you feel like the entire process that you experienced actually helped you become a better entrepreneur and got you to where you are today? So you might not even actually change anything. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a hard question to answer because I know so much more now, so I can easily say, well, now doing it, I would, you know, raise a whole bunch of money or go in this direction or do a bunch of food shows. But I think this was a really great learning curve. And there's a lot of people out there that open up businesses and they they have a lot of experience, so they just open it. And I think they miss out on a lot of opportunities to, to grow personally as well as in the business. Um, so I'm, I, you know, this is life and this is what it is. I'm okay with it. Last question before I let you go. What's your life motto or mantra if you have one that you try to apply? Um, everything's going to work out. So it might not work out exactly how you planned it, but everything's going to work out. And uh, you got to have faith and trust in your abilities that got you to the point that you are now and remain focused on the goal at hand and also stay open-minded to opportunities that might arise that you weren't expecting to go in a direction. So, you know, it's going to work out. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Totally agree. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And for being a listener of the Tartar Project. Of course, man. The <laughs> ultimate double whammy. Of course. Of course. Let's have some gyros. Euros. <laughs> ah. Episode 25 in the books. We'll be back next week 
Tony, thank you so much for sitting down with us, me, sharing your story. You're the best. And also thank you for the coupon code for uh, Brooklyn Hot Dog. The URL, bkhotdogco.com. It's in the episode description. Um, and the coupon code is tartar25 for 25% off your order of Brooklyn Hot Dogs. Delicious, delicious hot dogs that... The season may not totally be here yet in New York City, but around the country, I'm sure it is. And I mean, who doesn't love a good hot dog? You may not be thinking February is prime time in New York City for a hot dog, but I assure you to try it. It might be. And also check out the method that Tony shared on how to cook his delicious hot dogs. That still intimidates me to this day, despite its simplicity. So I'll just stick with my uh, oven baking. Anyway... If you could throw me five stars on iTunes, follow me on Spotify, you know the deal. Tell your friends about the Tartar Project so we can grow this thing a little bit faster. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next week.